Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The boyhood dream has come true! to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are going to dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms. Talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome to the Cultaholic Classic Review as the other Cultaholic lads get set for a trip to Puerto Rico. For WrestleMania Backlash, we're here via our Ikapro-powered DeLorean, set for a trip into the bowels of the new generation era of 1996. And who be we? I be Fate Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, alongside the mulligan to my own hair, the Clive Fuck of Cultaholic. You may know him as Jack Atkins. We know and all love him as the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. I've got more gimmicks than Hacksaw Jim Dogan, haven't I? You really have, mate. You really have. <laughs> Should we let them behind the curtain? Yeah. Okay, there's, w- here's w- the curtain. There's some lovely, some lovely, some lovely patio doors we put in. <laughs> if uh, you on Patreon will know this, but you not on Patreon will not. Yes. So we are back in the silly room. Yeah. Uh, which is so basically when the podcast room is unavailable, we record in the newsroom, which is where we record the news videos for the YouTube channel, or as Jack Atkins calls it, the silly room. It's also known as the juggling room. Yes. Uh, and uh, we're in here today once again, and we've just finished recording the episode that you heard last week. Yeah. And we had a little coffee break. Uh, a little power wank, and we're back again for another week. We're getting two in a row done today. <laughs> and whilst we were on a little break, whilst you nipped to uh, the coffee shop to get your favourite black coffee, yeah, uh, I did a bit of work upstairs, and I had a little little rummage in my pockets, unrelated to the power <laughs> wank. A bit of pocket billiards. A bit of pocket billiards. <laughs> and I found my anti-snoring aid. Oh! That I was looking for the other morning, and I realised they're in these jean pockets. So this is my... If you're on the Patreon, what a treat. This Wait, is what you pay for. You sleep in your jeans. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> In case I need to suddenly rush out and fight a bear. Ah, of course. Um, this is my snoring aid. I've put them up my nose like that. And it helps me breathe through the night without snoring. They work, apparently. Ooh. Alex has said, I've slept really well since you started putting these things, <laughs> putting these things up your nose, which... Um, you know, the idea of Tom putting stuff up his nose will be something that in cultaholic kayfabe will be <laughs> unsurprising to many. Yeah. But <laughs> like tenor off Amazon, I got a little pack full of these things, like about four or five different types and shapes. Yeah. Uh, and then a mouth guard. So I look like Kurt Angle when I go to sleep now. <laughs> you look like Kurt Angle anyway. I look like Kurt Angle now anyway, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that I just thought I'd share that with the room. I might have to get one. Do, uh, get, do you snore? No, I'm not a snorer. But you don't need one? But I've not been able... I th- think I've got some form of long COVID. 
because oh no all yeah and we've talked about this a lot you know when i'm just always like oh i can't shake this block nose mm. i've had a block nose now for four months you should go to a doctor yeah like go see a doctor it's not too bad today mm. i'm sorry that's that's it the, does the sound blocked yeah like saturday night um for wrestlemania i came in i was so congested i was like you know everyone oh. doing not full of cold or anything feeling fine i just can't shake this have you tried a neti pot Oh, is that the water thing? I use one at home some mornings. I probably use them once a week. Mm. And you whack it up your, up your schnoz. And, oh, it clears everything out. This is yeah. a lovely podcast Oof. start. You're well, you are Oof. so welcome. It clears everything out. There's been some mornings where, you know, again, apologies, like a green tap Ooh. switched on. Oh, it's deeply satisfying. Yeah. Because I woke up some mornings like you going, whack this up my nose. But it's a, so the one I've got is like, it looks like a water bottle. Uh, you put water in it. You put the, some saline solution in it, uh-huh. and you turn it upside down. And you put the no, you put the nozzle up your nose. It's like on a curve. You put the nozzle up your nose, and you just squeeze the water bottle, and it just blasts water up your nose. And the pressure breaks away any sort of mucus that, that's stuck at the top, I'll try and it flushes it. Ev- it flushes it out the other side of your nose. Yeah, I'll go connected. for it then because as we've mentioned on this before, I've got a really small nose, mm. and it's also it's slightly misaligned from a five-sided accident years ago. So as a result, it just, yeah, it, it gets blocked very easily. You can get them on Amazon for yeah. like, a, like a, I can't imagine any more than a tenner. I'll give that a go. Worth then. trying. It might change your life. Because recently I've been having to sleep with a, a pint of water by the bed, which I usually do anyway, but I've actually been drinking it because I, I'm not breathing through my nose. I'm mm. just breathing through my mouth. And I'm waking up in the middle of the night with a mouth like the Gobi because I'm right. not breathing like I usually would. So maybe then, to go back to it, maybe like a, a little anti-snore, like a snore thing might work to open your tubes up. Yeah, because it's, we yeah, it's getting ridiculous. Ooh. Ringing Sean up and she's like, God, you sound you sound like Frank Sidebottom. <laughs> she hates Frank Sidebottom, so she's not enjoying it. Get I mean, one on Amazon next day delivery. Give it a go. Yeah. Well, maybe, I imagine they might do them at Boots. Yeah. Maybe. Worth Maybe. a punt. Honestly, Maybe. worth a punt. Change Welcome to Nasal Health Hour with Welcome. Tom Campbell. With <laughs> Sometimes we talk about wrestling. More often than not, we talk about nasal health. Any other ailments that we want to talk about while we're here? Uh, You've I inspired prob- me to drink more water, by the way. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. you went through a, sp- a stage where you only drank water. And I realized I need to drink more water. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I basically only drink water and coffee and the occasional juice. I did have... Half a can of Monster Friday night for Ring of Honor, and I, it hit me like a fucking <laughs> truck. <laughs> it's the only pain in the arse of drinking so much water is you just piss like a dog. You do, <laughs> but I feel, but it feels quite nice. Hey, we're, we talked about noses, talk about piss. Um, <laughs> feels quite nice when you do drink a lot of water and the piss is clear. Yeah. You feel like a very healthy kidney. You feel like putting your gob in front of it, don't you? Not, not quite. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Hopkins drinks his own piss. Does he? Apparently so. Pisses, it boils it up to get rid of all the impurities and drinks it again because it's just like drinking filtered water. <laughs> I mean, I'm I sure, mean, I'm sure. I, I don't know if that's an urban legend or if there's some kind of like cod Hollywood thing. Like, oh, it's, I mean, it's good it's, to have a hobby. It's, it's got rid of all the bad toxins. And, I'm going to Google that before yeah. we go any further because otherwise that's just going to be on my mind. Make sure it. you're not on the work Wi-Fi when you uh, type in Anthony Hopkins drinking piss. Anthony... Tony Hopper. Hopkins. Tony Hopper to his mates. Drink his... It's not coming up in Google auto search. So, does Anthony Hopkins drink his own urine? Um, no, but uh, Neil Morrissey... Yes. 
<laughs> the top answer was Neil Morrissey. Drinking my own urine was a piece of piss compared to other things, other stuff we had to do. This is one he was on Bear Grylls in 2016. Mm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Mark, 60 years in film. Uh no, nowhere no. does it say that Anthony Hopkins drinks his own piss. I hate his liver with some fava beans and a nice jug of hot piss. That would be the face I would pull if I drank my own piss. That, that's the face I pulled when I've accidentally drank my own piss before. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> my piss fell into my mouth. Oh. This might be the worst start to the classic Raw review we've ever it's, done. It's weird because the last episode we did for you last week, for us 15 minutes ago, we were concise. We were on our best behaviour. Really we, wholesome. In and I, out. Because you talked about like you and Sean, and I talked about me and Alex. I talked about making a breakfast this morning, like in the morning. It was really wholesome. And we started with snot, piss, yeah. cannibalism. Snot, piss, <laughs> cannibalism. Um, your bowels, are they all right? Yeah. Considering the egg consumption, is it? Yeah, it's fine. Do you find that now you're, now that, obviously, because... As if you missed the, the the few beats of the <laughs> last few weeks, um, Jack Atkins, Jackie Orlando, uh, will soon be uh, disappearing from the northeast, and he'll be working remotely in the pool once again mm. in the Liverpool. So we won't be in the office uh, week to week. We'll be doing some of these via Zoom. We're doing some together, but you'll be moving back home. So whilst we're recording these, Jackie Orlando is in the process of moving back home. <laughs> so what a what a what a joy that you have to have to stop step away from. No doubt, a thousand jobs you have to do before moving to sit next to me as I go. I should piss. Is it all right? <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Like so, with with that in mind, like now that because you said in the watch along we did mm. um, that Sean has moved back. Yeah, and you're kind of in the process of just sort of finalising everything up here. Are you eating more or less eggs? Uh, about the same about or the same yeah? yeah I don't know whether, you, whether your food consumption habits changed when your partner wasn't there um, I've been eating healthier now she's not here really yeah so why do you think that is uh, because like we're not sitting on the couch and watching a film and I'll be like oh I'll, I'll oh. you know have a Mars bar but like and because usually the way it is in the house is Sean cooks all the teas I do mostly everything else. Mm. But now she's not here. I'm just like, oh, right. I've, I've got to got to cook for myself again and not just eggs. So I've been making sure to get my five a day and stuff. I'm just like, oh, but I can't just eat, you know, chicken Kiev every night. <laughs> <laughs> I better have vegetables and that. So, <laughs> so, you've, so you've been making yourself vegetables and stuff. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. See, I go the opposite. Yeah. Because I do most of the cooking in our house. And I like to try and learn new recipes and stuff and make new things and make healthy things that are filling and nourishing and all that. So I'm, quite, I'm getting better at it. I have some days where Alex will give me a recipe to make and it'll just make my head fall off and I can't figure it out and I get sad and I feel like a failure. But there's some, most of the times I'm all right with it. But then when she goes away, like she's going home for Easter uh, because she's got a bit of time off and uh, folks want to see her. And I said, to be honest, you can stay here if you want, but I'm working every day of the Easter holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to go and maybe see your friends and have a nice time rather than just like having to wait around for dickhead here to finish one of the thousand <laughs> things he's doing, please go with love and see your mum and dad. So bless her, she's going to have a, a week. I think they're coming to pick her up on the Friday and they're dropping her back on the Monday. And she's going to have right a nice now. time and see her friends yeah. and I'm going to crack on. But when <laughs> she's away... Crack off. Um, uh, <laughs> of course. Lowbrow, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Tell it's fucking dust, mate. Um, but when she's away... <laughs> I might, be, I'm, 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 I might be dehydrated by the time you hear this. 
<laughs> what a bawdy podcast this is! Oh, lads, lads, Ooh, lads, lads, lads. Oh, it's so laddy! Snort and piss and cum. Um, <laughs> and eggs. It's not piss, cum and eggs. The train spotting sequel we didn't know we needed. I was going to say, wasn't, isn't that the programme that came between the young ones and bottom? <laughs> Limited audience on that one. <laughs> Underrated theme tune for that one. Um, I, I, I don't think I've ever watched an episode in full. I do you know what? It's, I was just like, mm. it's, it's good. Yeah. It's not great. No? You, you can tell it's like work in progress bottom. Yeah. Uh, but a bit of the young one still. So they're kind of in between stations. But you see where the, the sort of the, the pencil sketches are. Yeah. For what would become bottom. So I quite like it for that. Yeah? Yeah. It feels very young onesie, but there's flex of the sitcom bottom. We're talking about Filthy Rich and Catflap, which was the yeah. which is the, the, the critically panned uh, six episode sitcom that was between the young ones, starring Rick Mel and Aid Edmondson, and Bottom, starring Rick Mel and Aid Edmondson. Mm. Um I enjoyed it. They I think they hated it. I think yeah. I think everybody has hated it. But the sheer amount of like characters and cast they have in it, like special guests. Well, it's those two, Nigel Planer, isn't it? As, the, as filthy, rich, and cat flat. <laughs> it's all of them. It's those three, but then you, but then like in different episodes, you get like other sort of comedy, comedy luminaries in it. Roland uh, Riveron? Gareth Hale and Norman Pace. Wow, okay. Harry Enfield's in yeah. it. Chris Barry's in it. The Nolan sisters are in it. Fuck off, really? The Nolans are in it. Wow. Low, yeah, they, they, they get some, they get some, some decent sort of comedy names in there, and then mm. quite a few like sort of comedy actors from the time um, who just do little bit parts throughout it. It's great, um, but yeah, I don't eat well when Alex isn't here. Yes, I would norm. It wouldn't shock me if one of the nights while she's away, I have made pasta in a pan and made the the tomato sauce to go in it, put it in the pan, and just eating it directly out of the pan. Don't care so much when the love of my life's not there. Well, that's that's a weird one because I had this. I had to ring up Sean. Like I can cook and I do cook, but I had to ring up Sean. She's like, Sean, I, I think I've only ever made pasta once in my life. How do I do it? And she was like, Are you kidding? I was like, No. Oh. And she had to tell me how to make pasta. And then the next night she's like, Oh, what have you had for tea? She's like, Well, I blanched some potatoes and made some perfect chips and had a lasagna on the go. And she's like, You can do that, but you don't know how to make a bowl of pasta. It's just like. I've just never done it. In your mind, before you rang Sean, what did you think the process was? Well, I knew the process, but I was just like, how long do I do it? Is the do I have to like do anything to the water? Do I salt the water beforehand? Do, et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, no, just put it on for about ten minutes and you're good. And then until it's the dentist. Yeah, I'll the dentist. I'll the dentist. And then she was like, heat up your sauce and then just drain it all. Drain the pasta and put the sauce. I was like, oh, that's really easy. Well, I, I, read just... a, I read a recipe where somebody oh. made pasta, drained off all the water, put some cheese on the top, whacked them in the air fryer. Mm. And you had like little crispy pasta snacks. Yeah. I'm going to try it this weekend. Crispy uh, so <laughs> pasta snacks. One, one of my Twitter friends, um, he said he gave a glow up to a Rustler's burger because he, cook, he cooked the Rustler's burger in the air fryer. Wow. And I put some good cheese on it. <gasps> And said, and and he toasted the bun separately on top, you know. Oh, what a guy. And it's like, what was it like? He was like, oh, it's fantastic. And then he tweeted the next day saying, I'm basically pissing out of both ends. And I was like, well, that's me not air frying a rustler. <laughs> and he's like, it's completely unrelated. I was like, bollocks, is it? Is it because he didn't cook it for long enough? So therefore, like, because no, when, you, when you recook it, is it not going to... 
he, he was fine from the rust. It was just something else that had hit him at the same oh, time. Oh, I see. But considering the last time I'd spoken to him, it was about putting a rustler in the air fryer. For, for those who don't know what rustlers are, they are very cheap um, burgers that you do in the microwave for about 90 seconds. It's, I, they worry me. When you're a 14-year-old boy, dynamite. When you're in your 30s, well, you'd probably be on the floor for a week. Yeah. Yeah, when you're a kid and you get a Rustler's burger and you put it in the microwave, you feel like a Gordon Bleu chef Yeah, because you made a burger. When you're in your 30s or even nearly your 40s and you have a Rustler burger, you kind of start thinking, what went wrong here? Yeah. Why, what, what's, why have I not achieved all the things I needed to? <laughs> Like, why am I so behind the eight ball on where my parents were in life? Well, perhaps by putting... <laughs> eat a muscle, muscle perhaps by putting a better cheese on it, you feel all right. Like, if I ever have to yeah. be, If I ever get, you know, like a microwave curry, a pop ping, I'm just, just there. It's like, oh, this looks shit. I just put a bit of coriander on top. I was like, get that in a restaurant, that. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> you feel... There was a TikTok account where they would... T- the guy would take, like, fast food and make it into a gourmet meat, mm. a gourmet plate. Yeah, like deconstruct it and add a few little bits and pieces. Yeah, interesting guy. Some some of them work really well, and some of them are just like, oh, I've brought you this uh, McDonald's chicken nugget meal. Can you make it gourmet? It's like, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to blend that, and then we're going to get uh, some Aberdeen Angus out the fridge. He's like, no, 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 no you, can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't add stuff to it. You can add like cheating. seasoning, and that's fine. But yeah. it's like saying, do you want me Morris Minor? Yeah, sure. I've changed the engine the tires, and the outer case of the car. Trigger's broom. There you go. It's the Trigger's broom approach. What's it? The, the ship of something? Uh, Theseus? Ship of Theseus? The ship of Theseus. Ship of Theseus. It was like, that's what, what the the idea of that's called, like Trigger's broom. Is so, that really where it comes from? Yeah, ship. I think it's Ship of Theseus. It's like an old ship, and they're like, oh, look at this, the best ship ever, but, you know, it got a bit battered, so we had to change the floor of the ship and add new wood to it and the sails got battered so we put new sails on it and we patched it up blah 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 blah. It's still it's still amazing. Like but is that not a completely new ship? It's a brand new ship. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. We started talking about piss. And now we're talking about Theseus's ship. I'm going to Google it to make sure it's the right thing. It sounds right. Yeah. Um, I like triggers broom I've heard. But then I often, when it, whenever I'm on air, we play Sugar Babes. I do refer to them as Triggers Broom. Yeah, Ship of Theseus. Because yeah, Sugar Babes is Triggers Broom. They're, they're, they're a great oh, example of the of Ship course. of Theseus. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, a musical example of the Ship of Theseus is Triggers is is uh, the Sugar, Sugar Babes. Babes. Yeah, because there's no original members left of the Sugar Babes, but they're still called the Sugar Babes. But then they split up, and then the original Sugar Babes reformed, and then got the name Sugar Babes back. Yeah, so it came it, full circle. Because originally they couldn't be re- they couldn't be called the Sugar Babes because they already because it belonged to the current Sugar Babes. Yeah, because weren't the SMK SKM KMS? Yeah, they're muttier. Siobhan, Siobhan and, and uh, Kesha. Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl Sugar. <laughs> Mucha Babe. And Stan Hansen. That's oh. <laughs> Stan, ha- Stan Hansen was a sugar babe. <laughs> Imagine Stan Hansen and the sugar babes. They're just singing. He's the background covered in tobacco, punching people in the head. <laughs> See, we brought it back to wrestling. Come the, back. It's fine. July 29th, 1996. Yeah, let's do some work. Uh, we're going to do Monday night. This is work. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, this is Monday night rural. Uh, in a minute, we're going to go through the uh, this the news from this particular week on the 29th of 1996 in 20, July 29th, 1996 in the world of wrestling. In the boring real world, number one movie in the US is A Time to Kill. Ooh, that rings a bell. Based on the novel by James Kill. <laughs> Stephen Time, uh-huh. <laughs> John Grisham, okay, who was otherwise known as James Kill. 
Uh, Sandra Bullock, Samuel L. Jackson, Matthew McConaughey, Kevin Spacey, and Donald and Keith Sutherland. Oh, what a line! That's a hell of a cast. Mm, uh, it's a bit of a legal drama yeah. uh, of the highest order. Did very well in this week. Number one movie in the UK is Twister. Hey. Everyone's favorite film about Tornado. Number one song in the UK is Spice Girls Wannabe. It's going to be there for a while. Yeah. Get comfy. Uh, number one song in the US this week, Los Del Rio, The Macarena. Fucking hell. Now, the song The Macarena goes back to 1993. It was a big hit uh, in Mexico. Uh, and um, it became a worldwide hit when the Bayside Boys... Uh, made a remix that featured English lyrics. Now, Jammin' Johnny Kareed uh, was a presenter for Power 96 in Miami, and he bloody loved this song. And when he started doing DJing gigs and stuff like that and heard about the Macarena, uh, he started playing it more on the radio. And this is where it became a, a sensation because Power 96 played it, and other places played it, and then it became a, a massive hit, the Macarena. Bloody hell. 1996 mm. as well. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was both earlier and later. Well, like I said, the original, was from, the original song was from like early 90s, from 93. Yeah. But it wasn't but until... But I thought like Macarena Fever was either earlier or later. Oh. 96 just didn't... I was like... Oh. I think this... May, well, I, th I think this is sort of sits about right. Yeah. But this is the version I think everybody will know. Like, don't tell me about my boyfriend. Yeah. Boyfriend's friend. <laughs> like that, the late 90s in terms of like kind of novelty. Not really a novelty song, but you know, novelty songs and party hits because you got that Mambo number five and Who Let the Dogs Out in like the span of about three years. Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. the novelty, the rise of the novelty song once again. Oh, fucking the cartoons. Ah, oh. ooh, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Yeah. What a song. Yeah. Oh, some good stuff to come. Uh, and hey, let's get you a little update on last week's big news from this week. 29th of July on this day, sources at Channel 5 Broadcasting confirm that the estimated cost of retuning operations for the new channel required for people to watch Channel 5 have risen by 25% above the original £55 million budget. Ooh. It is going to end up costing Channel 5 hundreds of millions of pounds to retune VCRs and TVs across the country for the new channel. I was so excited at the launch of a new channel. It's your halcyon days, wasn't it? We got oh. the fifth channel. Oh, Blew shit. Blew our minds, didn't it? And it was crap for about three years, and then it eventually went all right. You got I, I, liked, I liked Fort Boyard, but... Mm. Family Affair? Did you watch Family Affair? I didn't know. The launch pad for Idris Elba. Yes, it was. Oh, it ended up getting WCW winning the Monday Night Wars. It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stick that EastEnders, if that is your real name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's cost them a lot of money to, to, to get across the finish line. And it's a bigger job than they anticipated, hmm. much akin to Twitter uh, de-verifying all the legacy accounts. Yeah. Have you seen the fix they've done for that? Where they've put, everyone's got the blue ticks apart from, is it the New York Post? Basically, so yeah, the New York Post had theirs removed. But now, if you look, so I was ready for mine to go because I was told April 1st all, all legacy accounts are losing their tick. Yeah. I went, okay, I'll be quite happy to be free of the hellscape. I'll be honest, it gives me reason to remove it. But then I woke up on the Monday, and then the description under my blue tick said, uh, This blue tick is either a verified legacy account or they have subscribed to Twitter Blue. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I thought, oh, how can I get rid of my blue tick now? I think if you change your at, Yes. It gets rid of it. So I might change it and then change it back. Um, I just kind of, I don't want to remove it myself. I'm currently like, I'm currently just telling Twitter, please just kill me. 
Yeah. Do it for me. I'm too scared. We only wanted it to lord it over you oiks out there in Oikland. Yeah, now all the oiks have got it. There's no interest. Yeah. Ruined it for us all. I'm a king too. Oh, I am. Oh, great. Now no one's a king. Yeah. If you're all kings, no one's a king. Livid. Uh, that's the real world. <laughs> what about the wrestling world, Jack Atkins? Strap yourself in. I'm strapped. There's nothing major, but there are. Again, it's another chunky week. So, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, dated August 5th, 1996. And this is the first one I've put in is mainly for me. All Japan. <laughs> <laughs> King's Road. July 24th, Katakabashi won the Triple Crown. Yay! Hey! Go on, His first ever um, Triple Crown reign, he beat Akira Tawe at Budokan Hall before a sellout of 16,300 fans. Bet they battered the fuck out of each other. Yes. Katakabashi, who Eddie Kingston says is the perfect wrestler, and I don't disagree. Mm. The first time I watched them, it was one of those, like, I still haven't, I've barely scratched the surface. I've watched a lot of Katakabashi, but there's still so much there. But the first time I saw him, he was like, I don't know what it is, but he's the perfect wrestler. Mm. And just every time, oh, he's superb, superb. He is, he is amazing. He is, I was surprised it was this late on. Yeah. That he, uh, well, that he got his, uh, his yeah. flowers. Because Melter goes on and says, basically, because it was the four pillars of heaven. So you got Misawa, uh, Tawe, Kabashi, and Kawada. But the way that it is in Japan, because Kabashi was either the youngest or the last of the four to kind of graduate from the dojo, he was seen as kind of the young boy of the group. And because the others were older, they got the title runs first. So it's basically like, older steeped first, then you, then you. Yeah. And then he had to kind of wait his turn. And even though at this point, he'd been one of the best wrestlers in the world for a good two, three years, they were like, fine, give him the title. He had to wait his turn like a good boy. Yeah, which is odd, but... One of the hardest fucks on the planet. Literally, his surname is Onomatopoeic. Kabashi! This is the noise it makes when he fucking hits you. And then the, the, was it the common joke that Kabashi is so hard he no-sold cancer? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Cancer's frightened of getting Kabashi. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, elsewhere, UWF News. Eccentric, sometimes wrestling promoter, Herb Abrams passed away <laughs> on the morning of July 23rd. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at his death. I think it was the description. Eccentric, sometimes, sometimes. wrestling promoter. So, passed away on July 23rd from cardiac failure in what was reported by the New York Post as an apparent drug overdose. Abrams, who was 41, stopped breathing after being handcuffed by police in his office at 7 Penn Plaza in Manhattan after he was going on a spree, bashing up furniture on several floors of the building with a baseball bat and pulling on fire alarms at about 6am. He was taken to St. Vincent's Hospital and was declared dead around 7.30am. Police were called about an emotionally disturbed man and arrived at 6, 10 a.m. and found Abrams naked, covered in baby oil with two women in the office. Now, I don't know much about Abrams and the UWF. I know there's a dark side of the Ring episode about it. Mm -hmm. But what I do know about Abrams is that when it came to booking, he just went, fuck it. <laughs> and it was a maverick in a sea of mavericks. <laughs> so when I saw he died, I was like, from what I know of him, I was like, oh, that seems... This will sound disrespectful. I was like, that seems the kind of fitting end yeah. for the idea of the character that I had of him. He was a wild character. I know Matthew did a lot of digging into him mm. um, around the UWF. I think he did a thing for a while where he was watching all the UWF yeah. TV shows because they're out there. Yeah, because he didn't he just turn up and said, oh, I'm putting on this great show. I've got this fella. I've got this fella. I've got this fella. He'd spoken to none of them. I've mm. got Bruiser Brody, who'd been dead for a year, and all this kind of stuff, and somehow made some of it stick. Mm. He said he made an impact. Yeah. He was calling out Vince McMahon and yeah. doing all that stuff. 
keen to be a character in his own right, was yeah. it? as most promoters tend to go. But uh, yeah, passed away in this week in, yeah. in, in, in quite the circumstance. Yeah. So I'm he sure. Died as he lived. Yeah, covered in baby oil. Apparently. Covered in baby oil, smashing up furniture. That sounds great. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> kind of how I think I'm going to go. Yeah. I think, I think on the evening of my 40th, <laughs> that's what we'll do. I've always said to Sean, I was like, you know, in like war films when someone throws a grenade and someone jumps on it and heroically saves it. It's like, I'm going to do that, but with my face into a landmine. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing your bad luck, you'll survive. Just have this impacted face forever. Look like arse face from Preacher. <laughs> so, better WWF news talking about arse faces. <laughs> We've got a few details when it comes to upcoming major shows. Apparently. Ooh. So the WWF, the In Your House After SummerSlam, it'll be on September 22nd from the Core State Spectrum in Philly. And at this point, a list of double main events is Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario versus Davey Boy Smith and Jim Cornette. Ooh. And an Intercontinental title match with Ahmed Johnson versus Vader. Ooh. These will fluctuate, of course. I don't think we'll get any of those. Uh, no, we won't. So on paper, Dave said, um, those matches don't appear to anything that's going to spike a buy rate. I mean, I wouldn't pay to see Jose Lafaro versus Jim Corner in a main event tagging. And it seems like a step back because we've had Michael's Bulldog twice. Yeah. This doesn't really further any kind of story. I think that the Michael's Camp Cornet thing has dominated the majority of pay-per-views now. So it'd be... Nice to get someone not connected yeah, to well, Camp Cornet. That's what well, Dave's basically saying. Yeah, you know, Cornet can build up heat, etc. But he's been made to look like an asshole every week. It's like, are you really going to tune in? Because you know, he's not going to win. Um. So yeah, and obviously this will turn into in your house mind games. Mind games. Which, ooh, it's a it's a it's a seismic main event. Mind games. It is a huge main event. You know, possibly. The best title match of Shawn Michaels' first reign. It's up there. It's certain. There's some. There's some choice cuts. Yeah, but that's up there. I it's think. up there. And again, saying it for months. As far as I'm concerned, we're in the attitude here now in everything but name. We're getting there. <laughs> that upsets Tom. Tom so much he did two sneezes. I did a double sneeze because last week you got you know Brian Pillman threatening to be. <laughs> um, Swear on TV. Yes. You've got, you know, things with Sable getting lusted after. You've got Austin friends kick people's asses, etc. And Mind Games is definitely one of those steps in saying, yeah. we are here. This is different. Now. The main event. And it's in Philly. In Philly. So it's a very deliberate choice of main event. Shit, I forgot about what's on the undercard at Mind Games. Oh, Oh, yes. oh my God. Oh, right. Yes. If you know... You know, and if you don't, we are in for a oh, wild ride. What an adventure. That just clicked then, literally. I just went, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. But before then, the WWF returned to California on July 25th at the Cow Palace for a typical house show as part of a West Coast swing. With it being the Cow Palace, Dave Meltzer was there because he's California, isn't he? Because he's a cow. Because <laughs> he's, <a> he's a cow and he lives in a palace. <laughs> palace of paper and shite. Um, the show was uneventful, with the main topic of conversation being the number of fans kicked out for being out of control. But there was one bit, and this is why I put it in. My main take, Steve Austin pinned Savio Vega in 9.22 after a low blow. Austin got a babyface reaction, 
People reacted to him as if he were a star, which was something of a surprise. What? No! He's a bad guy and he's a good hand in the mid-card. Good hand in the mid-card. Why are people trying to mess up Vince's lovely plans? So the the work that Austin's doing, obviously, he won King of the Ring. He's been showing an attitude. He's basically saying, I'm going to batter any fucker who comes near me. It's working. He's real. He's real. He's real. And this is the, the big thing, you know, as someone who's watched wrestling all these years, and you kind of see patterns emerge when, when fans don't get behind certain wrestlers. If they sense it's real, then they bite. Yeah. And if they sense that it's organic, that they bite, it's really obvious when it's not. Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan. Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, organic and yeah. real. Roman Reigns and John Cena. They had to really work to make that happen. I keep forgetting, and Ross keeps reminding me, that Roman Reigns, for a spell, put blue contact lenses in per order of oh, Vince yeah, McMahon. Yeah, yeah. Because, heaven forbid, you can't cheer somebody who hasn't got blue eyes. Jeez. Uh, well, someone else who had to fight hard as well, The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a... there was Again, they brought him in as just like this clean-cut, lovely man, and they fucking hated him. Yeah. So as soon as he started being his real sort of dickish self... Yeah. Yeah, we want that. It's real. Here's a chair, The Rock. Just swing it into people's faces as hard as you can with little regard for their outcome. You dickhead. (laughs) Arbor Johnson's injury was announced on Raw as being a ruptured kidney from the attack by the assailant, whose name we will learn. Um, Other reports are that it was a severely bruised kidney and that Johnson has had blood in his piss, but they don't know exactly when it happened. Drink more water. Yeah, basically. Um, he also broke his nose in your house, presumably from a stiff kick to the face by Owen Hart. He was considered doubtful for this coming weekend. This is, like I said, the weekend of the beginning of August. Mm. Um, the presumption now is that he'll start back at SummerSlam. So we'll okay. find out more so about... We'll have a bit, a bit of Owen back. Yeah. Uh, talking someone else who'll be back at SummerSlam. Jake Roberts, presumably, will also be back at the pay-per-view. All sorts of stories are circulating as to what has kept him out of action, but at the time, they can't confirm anything. Mm. Okay, so there's a few people that uh, ums and ahs, yeah. ma- definitely maybes. So there is, or at least was, tremendous heat on Jim Cornette coming off the weekend tour, largely due to a backstage argument he had with choir boy Shawn Michaels <laughs> after a match in Anaheim. Apparently, they had worked out a spot where Michaels was going to superkick Cornette, but Cornette either tripped and fell down and Michaels superkicked air, or, I guess... Dave Meltzer's words, Michaels felt Cornette double-crossed him on the spot. There were problems already between the two stemming from something that apparently happened after the show in San Francisco. Anyway, after they went behind the curtain in Anaheim, Michaels immediately began yelling at Cornette. If there's one man you do not want to yell at, it's Jim Cornette. No. Because obviously, Cornette began yelling back and it became a big deal internally because he was just going effing and jeffing probably blind. Jim Cornette doesn't take much to set him off. Not in the slightest, no. I mean, it's weird because Cornette has given so much to this entire story, yeah. why would you assume that he was, oh, oh, on a house show, I just want to make you look silly? Yeah. It's clearly a misstep. Like, I've not even seen it, and seeing how much Jim, Jim Cornette has thrown himself into this whole angle, it's ridiculous to assume that, oh, on this night, I'm just going to have a laugh at your expense. Sean Michael's obviously very aware of his status in the company, yeah. and that people are obviously pissed off with him, and so therefore it kind of puts you on the back foot. And you assume that everybody is attacking. And it's a mixture of ego and a bit of paranoia as well. Yeah. Was it, um, excuse me, uh, Bastian Booger was fired because Shawn Michaels, like, he was laughing at my match at a house show. Why, what do you mean? You don't, you know, you don't respect my work, blah, 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 blah. And someone was like, I don't think he was Shawn. He was like, you don't laugh at me. You don't laugh at me. Who do you think you were? You come, yeah. And I was like, oh. Oh, dear. Yeah. Talking to people who are very calm and on a level. 
Iron Sheik will be brought back <laughs> after next tapings. Yay! Sheiky baby! Sheiky baby. He'll be back in the next tapings as a coach as opposed to a manager. Don't really know what that means. Um, Fatu has had his head shaved and was told to lose a lot of weight and be introduced as a new character from the Middle East. They will probably once acknowledge that the new guy was Fatu, similar to when Jerry Lawler mentioned Ron Simmons last week. Um, the idea behind this is by saying who who it is once, you aren't insulting the intelligence of the fans who figure it out, but not to dwell on it either. Sheik was under the impression he'll be given a major push and it'll be a hot deal because they're using him to exploit the heat from recent terrorist activities all over the news. Yeah. I mean, Sheiky knows he's got a paycheck coming. Yeah, Sheik, Sheik doesn't care. <laughs> This, this this was a man who in the early 90s they were just like Sheik we know you're a proud Iranian but do you want to throw your weight behind the flag of Iraq and Saddam Hussein he's like fuck it if I get paid wasn't um, but it wasn't just Sheik in the end was it it's Harvey Witherman as well yeah because you can't bring Sheik in as a mouthpiece because he'll just he'll just be like ah Bubba <laughs> Sultan fuck Sultan shit me fucking you Hogan doing the thing with the wooden sticks <laughs> calling out people who've been dead for 10 years <laughs> saying that he's gonna rip the dick off yeah he's <laughs> too much of a live hand grenade so you got just chic there to I don't know add I guess it credibility. Adds, adds yeah legitimacy to the, to the character I guess that's what Day means by difference between a manager and a coach. Yeah. So he's not going to have a speaking role. No. I guess that'll go to Harvey Whitman, who will do the heavy lifting when it comes to getting the character across. But she, maybe just at ringside, swinging the clubs. <laughs> tell uh, Harvey Whippleman's. Tell, tell them all why Hulk Hogan piece of shit. <laughs> no, don't do this thing for the Sultan. Do it in minute. Sultan, he shit. No, it's, it's not Harvey Whippleman. It's Bob Backlund. Of course it is. Yeah, because I was about to say, oh, yeah, while well, she shoots on how he'd be Bob Backlund. It's like, no, fuck, it's Bob Backlund. What's even better? Yeah. Because obviously Bob and Sheiky Baby have got their own past. Yeah. And they put it to one side to manage Rikishi. Oh. I did it for The Rock. People who also did it for The Rock. The Bruce Brothers are also returning. <laughs> what did Jacob and Eli Blue do for The Rock? I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But they're apparently also returning on a similar level, you know, as Freddie Joe Floyd, T.L. Hopper, etc. They'll occasionally get a TV win, but we mainly used to put over tag teams that are being pushed. Uh, and they aren't going to be sent on the road. Oh, shame, because they've got those lovely motorbikes. Mm. Those oh. disciples. Yeah. I'm talking of them being apocalyptic. Uh, WWF encouraged them to continue to have ECW. However, Paul Heyman didn't want to use anyone that loses on WWF television or is affiliated with the WWF. Rightly so. I, if, you, if you're building your brand in a certain way, you can't have, like, these guys have really intense matches in ECW and then, like, job to Savio Vega in four minutes. Yeah, exactly. Sends the wrong message. Who was it that fell asunder of that? Um, it was an ROH champion. Yeah. Who turned up on WWE TV and got battered. What, what time frame are we thinking? Oh, I want to say mid, early to mid-noughties. Dan. I was going to say Daniels, but he didn't win the title until much later Davey on. Davey Richards? Davey Richards? Eddie Edwards? Davey Richards, was maybe? Is it, it John Walters? I don't know, it was somebody. Yeah. There was definitely a story where a reigning ROH champion did a, did a squash on Raw and everybody went, why are you doing that? Yeah. That's silly. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know we all like money, but <laughs> you're building your brand. That looks silly now. Yeah. Let's not. 
Talking of things that look silly, Pat Patterson's situation <laughs> is that he won't be returning to office work, but will be helping with television and maybe go on the road one week a month to keep his hand in oh, things. So he'll, so he'll be like over the top of it, but he won't be in the weeds. He won't be in the weeds, no. At least that's what Patterson has said to want. Supposedly, he has no desire to work in the office again or help write the television shows. Oh. You know. I wish they'd send Vincent Mann into the weeds. Things that are all become new again. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine him in weeds, Billy. Damn it! I said I wouldn't do this. <laughs> My shoes are muddy. I'd rather be on decking. <laughs> um, WWF has officially severed all ties with Warrior University and the Warrior comic books. So just about everyone is presuming that relationship is now dead. Oh. Warrior's name isn't mentioned by anyone at this point. Oh no! Please come back. Please come back. But news of someone who might be coming in. Mm. Rumors are flying around regarding Too Cold Scorpio, but nothing has been confirmed. Oh! A superb wrestler who will not be used well should he turn up to WWF, which we don't know at this point. Well, if he does, I'm pretty sure WWF will absolutely WWF Too Cold Scorpio. Yeah. I mean, man doing 450s in the mid-90s, a permanent title holder and main event fixture in ECW still ended up going strong for like another 20 years after that but you know they want someone a bit more flashy and a bit funkier they're very flashy funky moves yeah I've got it you'll be decking <laughs> you'll be the weeds you'll be the weeds so that's that's everything from the news <laughs> well what a busy week that was yeah in it spelled no, W-E-A-K nothing nothing monumental but plenty of Chips, plenty of, plenty of chips that will uh, that will be cast across the poker table of wrestling in the days to come. 
What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. So we'll talk about Raw, but a little, a little glance across superstars. Ooh. I'm trying to watch superstars, keep one eye on superstars, because sometimes bits happen on superstars that we may not necessarily see on Raw that kind of tell a bit more of a story. I can't wait till the late 90s when you got superstars, shock on Saturday night, etc., etc. I'm just going to break up with Alex, I think. I'm not going to have time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be my life now. <laughs> stuck if, if I break up with Alex for you, you break up for, with Sean for me. No, she might punch me. Uh, maybe. But well, we'll do that. We'll just what, and Alex wouldn't punch me? <laughs> nah, she'd punch me as well. Yeah, yeah, Alex true. And, <laughs> and this will just be us forever in here. I've created my own prison. <laughs> my own. <laughs> so I held my head up high. I created, I created, I created my own person. Right. So, from superstars. <laughs> I haven't sang Creed in a while. It's nice. I've got nothing to say to that. <laughs> I've got so many thoughts, but I'm they're for really another time. really singy today. Yeah. Uh, they've announced on superstars that SummerSlam will see the first ever four-team elimination match for the WWF Tag Team titles. Ooh. Not to be confused with the Raw Bowl. No. Which was a football match in a wrestling ring with hilarious consequences that we never speak of again. God. Four, the, but they get, yeah, so the Guns are defending against three other teams, all in play at once. Have they been announced yet? No. Mm. The gulf between now and the times of the Raw Bowl, it feels like 10 years between them. It does feel like a long time, doesn't it? But it's probably not that long, is it? But just over a, a year and a bit. Yeah. year and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah a year and a half, because the Raw Bowl was in... January of 95? Oh, wait. No. It's January 96. It was this January. It was seven months ago. And in that time, Sid has left and come back. <laughs> Sean Waltman's gone. The oh. guns have turned heel. <laughs> Razor Ramon's left. <laughs> Christ. What happened to the Robo? So the first ever four-team elimination match for the titles, tag titles are announced for SummerSlam. I believe this will be a kickoff show match. Ooh. Um, Salvatore Sincere hey. was in action. He took on Billy Two Eagles, a lesser-known Native American wrestler, but who carved out a career through the seventies. But has, will now pop up. Has been popping up randomly on shows like Shotgun and Dark Matches on Raw, just to lose to people. Mm. Uh, we won't see much more. But I'd never seen him before. I was like, oh, I like Billy Two Eagles. Uh, we had another win for Alex the Pug Porto. Okay. He took on. Uh, he took on leg. He took on sort of. Um, Journeyman wrestler Timothy Flowers. Yeah. Brian Pillman strolled stroll to ringside during this and got on the mic and started talking about you know, the wretched refuse and all of that. And in doing so, whilst he was talking, Porto got like a roll-up for the win and like everybody just started just ignored him. Oh. <laughs> he looked really sad. And I got, the, I got the impression they were building to Brian Pillman versus Pug Porto, which I don't think they should ever do ever. And Aldo Montoya took on a match defending the honour of Jake the Snake Roberts against oh. Jerry Lawler. Oh. And he beat Jerry Lawler with a DDT. Oh, God. Lawler was livid. Oh. Montoya was delighted. It's the biggest match he's ever had. Well, I mean, in Montoya news, uh, this is, he's, he's grown a little beard, hasn't he? And he's, he's got a little beard. It's, he's just now just incredible, but in a mask. Yes, he's just a, like, you know. like Pat That's said. not just the coolest. That's not just the best. That, my friends, is Aldo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see him later as well. We will. Which is just Aldo Montoya-tastic. I, 
Always liked Just Incredible. He may have been a bit overpushed in ECW, but I, I liked him. I, I think he was a great example of how ECW will accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. He felt like a bigger deal than he ever deserved to be in the dying days of ECW. Yeah. And, the, and that was down to the book in making him like feel like a, like a, a decent guy, yeah. like, a, like a player, which I thought was great. He had a match with Sabu in 1999, which was far better than I had any right to be. Sabu wasn't really botching and just incredible, just kept up with him and it was really good. And then he turned up on Monday Night Raw and then we realised, oh wait, no, that wasp wasn't big. It was just close to the camera. <laughs> What's that on the back he's of his head? He's tiny. What's on the back of his head? Oh, he's got a little raptor. <laughs> I got everything I ever wanted <laughs> And he had the best theme music ever. You're right, Jack Atkins. You ain't gonna look at me like that. I said, you ain't gonna me like that. What you looking at? We get a recap of last week's Raw to start this week's Raw. July 29th, 1996. Arbor Johnson has a ruptured kidney. No. He's on the ride of his life. He legit has a ruptured kidney as a result of that hoof from this mystery assailant. His attacker is on Raw tonight. What's his beef? We'll find out later. Also tonight, The Undertaker takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin for the second time ever. Oh. oh. And Henry Godwin fights Bulldog. We had no Bulldog last week. We had no Bulldog. And that's why we were nice. That's why the episode, well, the podcast what, was about an hour. Yeah. Because <laughs> no non sequiturs featuring. Ticks along quite nicely. Everyone's favourite food entrepreneur from Wigan. <laughs> We've been doing this bulldog shite for well over a year now. <laughs> I know, right? Happy anniversary to the British bulldog jokes. I can't believe it. We oh. have milked the teeth. <laughs> we have milked the bulldog's teat. <laughs> and we've got another year of it at least. Yeah. And, the, and then uh, we'll do... Well, then join us on the Classic Nitro Review for more of the same. <laughs> and Sam's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Bovril King? What's Bovril King? <laughs> oh, no. I can't wait to open Bovril King in a year's time. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Bovril, sir. Our opening match tonight is Justin Hawk Bradshaw versus Psycho Sid. Holy fuck, this match happened? Hoss. 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 The hossiest of hosses. Whopping ovation for Sid as he walks out. Yeah. He looks like a fucking star. Yeah. He really does. He really does. And I know I know everyone has opinions on like the work ethic and the style and all that. But geez, he is beloved. If you're is over, Sid. you're over. Yeah. I mean... I, I'm not surprised that Vince wanted to get the belt on him. <laughs> I mean, that's spoilers. I know, but he did. Yeah, yeah. Because he's tall. Yeah, he's tall and he's got like lovely little curly hair. He has super noodle hair. So we were live last week and this is taped and there was some audio sweetening at times during this, but the crowd was still hot. They mm -hmm. weren't tired. They were still going for it. WWF just had to meddle at times. But because at first when I heard the noise for said, I thought, oh, with it being a taping, I wonder if, you know, they're, they're a bit tired, but you can see them like running out their seats. The going difference to... is, yeah, you can see like how lively they are rather yeah. than just hear them. Yeah. That's, it, that's the, if in doubt, watch the crowd and you'll know if you're hearing, ah, and everyone's got their arms crossed, you know what the score is. Yeah. Sid lands a whopper of a clothesline. Uh, and it looks like this is going to be a quick old effect. Not a close on a choke slam. A whopper of a choke slam onto Bradshaw. And Bradshaw got up for it as well. Really got up for it. Yeah. 
however, moments later, Bradshaw recovers and hits Sid with a cowbell for a DQ. And this really deflates the crowd. Yeah. Like the, the temperature just drops. Yeah, it really does. Um, there, Sid gets beaten up for a bit by Bradshaw and Uncle Zebekiah. That is until Sid fights out of it. He power bombs Bradshaw and then power bombs Zebekiah. And Zebekiah is no small man. Yeah. But he picked him up like a baby. And the crowd came back alive. I think they popped louder for Zebekiah. They did, yeah. Getting a power bomb. I think this is the first time on Raw, at least, that we've seen him get his comeuppance. Yeah, so it was long overdue. The only thing that ruined this for me is, you know, when Sid does his laugh where he screws up his face, he goes, eh. Yeah. He looks so much like Charlie Chuck. <laughs> 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 Uncle Pete, we'll bow out that's donkey. A, that's a bow I never thought of it before, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. Really Sid looks like Uncle Peter. <laughs> oh, I want a donut. <laughs> cream bun. A slice that cake. Over there. <laughs> Look him up. You'll have a lovely time. Run up, I love that he's still with us. God yeah. bless Charlie yeah. Chuck. Um, why not just have Sid win? Why not just have Sid win? Well, as we know, with Ed, mind games coming Ed, up, Ed. we've got a uh, a match for Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And he's got his, well, he's got his feud with Samuel, hasn't he? Which has kind yeah. of started. So he kind of needs to be kept. I, th- I thought this worked well. Yeah. Sid's over as fuck. It's, this is his first match back apart from the main event at, in your house, isn't it? So it's just a quick reintroduction to the TV land. That's fair. I was being the better obscure company and just asking that question. And you're absolutely right. But no, I do agree with you. I, w- I, I win. I know, but, you, but you're right in what yeah. you say. Like, it, it, you know, with... You don't want to make Justin look like he's jobbed out to Sid. Yeah. Nor do you want to give them too much time to, you know, truly reveal themselves. <laughs> so I guess this this keeps this is a white hot segment. Yeah. Uh, of the show. Uh, backstage, Sunny is on is is chatting to the hard cam with her new charge. He is Farouk Assad, the modern day gladiator, the champion of the nineties. Why didn't they keep the champion of the 90s moniker? That's my favourite. Champion of the 90s. Well, they caught me off guard when they called him the modern-day gladiator. I was like, what, Kerry Von Erich? I was like, oh, no, he's the modern-day warrior. See, I thought Mike Awesome. Yeah? Rising up from the land of the game, he's a modern-day gladiator. (laughs) Living, breathing war machine. (laughs) I thought that. But no, he's just a gladiator. Uh, from the past. No, because at, at this point, Mike Awesome's in FMW fighting Horace Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and Leatherface, I'd assume. Yeah, at some point. Farouk looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. He says Ahmed is not his brother. And he says at SummerSlam, he'll give Ahmed a crash course in the way he we used to fight by taking him through a time machine. I don't think he means literally. Yeah. I, think, I think he means metaphorically. Well, I think it was weird, though, because, like you said, he's the modern-day gladiator, and he's talking about going in the past, but he just cuts his promo like Ron Simmons. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, 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 two, the, 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 the roads haven't quite met on mm. this particular path. I, I, I know. Ooh, use my clairvoyant powers. I know this gimmick doesn't last long. No. How long are we talking? I think maybe a month tops. Yeah. Or oh, we'll just touch oh, your foot. That's lovely. That's lovely. That's lovely that. What friendliness we have going on here. Yeah. Uh, almost as more. I felt. I. You know. Unlike Farouk, I felt very comfortable there. Oh. Um, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't last long. So Farouk is wearing blue uh, chest protector. He's got a silver helmet on. Kind of Carrion Cross esque. It makes Carrion Cross the second time that Vince has looked at a guy and gone, "You should wear a helmet." 
Also a bit like a dynamo from Running Man. <laughs> but, but without the opera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That as well. Fast Sorry. Fucking love the Running Man. It's one of Arnie's best films. Classic Arnie review podcast coming yes! soon. Yes! Just do it, you cowards. I like it. They will do Kindergarten Cop after Running Man. Yeah. And then Junior. I'm having a baby. Isn't it funny? <laughs> and then twins. Danny DeVito's my twin. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Farouk Assad is uh, Ron Simmons. Yes. Here is a little segment that I like to call Ron Simmons, the wilderness years. <laughs> so Ron Simmons left WCW following uh, a, tr- a tumble into the mid card after losing the WCW World Championship, a decision that was made on the night by Bill Watts, who was a big fan of Ron Simmons' work. Ron, uh, Ron Simmons walked into uh, WCW's uh, taping that night, and Bill Watts said, hey, you're getting the belt later. And Ron was like, am I? Why? And he went, why not? I thought you meant Bill Watts said he was dropping it, because I was going to say, because obviously oh, no, no. B- Bill Watts said some unsavory things about um, people of colour which saw him lose his job in WCW. He did. But I got the wrong end of the stick there. No, so, no, the, oh, initially, right. initially Bill Watts um, was, was just said to Ron Simmons, you're going to be the you're gonna be the champ tonight. Oh, uh, am I? Why? And then he said, why? I said, well, why not? Yeah. Get then beat Vader. And he did. Beat Vader. Yeah. However, Bill Watts' time running WCW at this point, uh, ratings weren't great and Ron Simmons' title reign was unfortunately unremarkable. So he lost the belt and then sort of trundled down the mid-card. He'd end up being released from the company and he'd head to ECW in September 1994, forming a team with two called Scorpio. Mm, that sounds like a great card on paper. What a, uh, a great team on paper. Great team on paper, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, they challenged for the ECW World Tag Titles, but fell short against the public enemy. Uh, in November of that year, Ron Simmons faced Shane Douglas for the ECW World Title. Mm-hmm. Did it again in December and in January, but all three attempts proved for nout. Uh, in March of 95, Ron Simmons came back with a vengeance and beat Hack Myers and then began his only other feud in ECW with 911, the wrestler who was designed to basically write off shit gimmicks. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. Um, following month at Three Way Dance, we see Simmons lose to Mikey Whipwreck uh, after 911 got amongst it. Uh, 911 and Simmons would have a couple of singles matches at Hostile City Showdown. 911 would beat Simmons, choke slamming him off the top rope to end the match and after a few more appearances in ECW Simmons would wrap up his time with the company from there fairly unremarkable run but I say unremarkable he was in the title mix for the tag titles and the world title and he feuded with one of the more popular stars but really was forever on the receiving end of losses yeah considering former WCW champion Mm. and and the go um, Sorry to cut you off mid-flow. No, you're, no, you're Go, going back to his title win, the actual scenes when he wins the title is fantastic. There's a little yeah. kid going absolutely berserk on the front row. It's, it's a great story. They t- it's a great opening chapter, but for whatever reason, sometimes it's sometimes you can do everything and the character doesn't catch fire. Many will say, could they have done more for Ron Simmons? Could they put him in better positions? I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. Um, in, at, the, at the same time as he was wrapping up ECW, he had a short tour of New Japan Pro Wrestling on their Ooh. Fighting Spirit Tour, mainly teaming with American performers such as uh, Mike Enos and Scott Norton and Flying Scorpio. Uh, and he faced the opponents such as uh, Kinsuke Suzaki, Masa Saito, Shinya Hashimoto, and Tadao Yasuda. 
So some beefy boys. Oh, Hashimoto and Ron Simmons probably just throwing bombs at each other. Ron Simmons and um, Scott Norton as a team. Mm. Oh, anger them. He squeezed in a second tour in 1995, again, teaming up with American stars such as Mike Enos, Arn Anderson, and a lost in the woods at that point, Steve Austin. Okay. Uh, but then the wrestling thing kind of came to a very natural end for him, it seemed. He kind of fell out of love a little bit for it. And he went into semi-retirement. He did the odd match here and there. But to make ends meet, he began working as a warehouse manager for a Coca-Cola factory on the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. And it was from there that he got a phone call from from friends in WWE and said, do you fancy coming over? Do you reckon Austin said anything? I reckon a lot of people went to bat for Ron Simmons. Yeah. I think Steve Austin most definitely would have done. But I think a lot of... He, he, and Vader as well. I think Vader probably would have been a... Sid, they probably would have been WCW at the same time. I think they were, yeah. Jim Ross. Jim Ross. Jim Ross was very big on him as well. Yeah. So Jim Ross, so... Pillman. Uh, yeah. There's quite a lot of WCW lads in there at the moment. And the idea of a guy who is still that skilled just kind of doing the odd match and working in a Coca-Cola factory. And the size of Ron Simmons as well, who would only get bigger. Yeah. Big dude. He was still in great shape. Um, Ron Simmons was interviewed by WWE Untold, uh, and uh, he talked about his arrival at this particular mm-hmm. point. He says, Michael Hayes had started working with Vince, and guess what? He told Vince that, hey, man, let's give this guy a chance. Let's give him an opportunity. So as well as Steve Austin, yeah, hey, uh, those guys like Vayman, Michael Hayes. Yeah, of going, course. He's the one. I had several things in my mind. I've been a brawler, a football player. So all of that kind of went out the door when Vince introduced this character to me of what he had in mind. Vince says, I see you as Farouk. Who the hell is Farouk? What is a Farouk? I'm speechless at this point. And then to top everything off, there's this leather blue helmet. Mm. If it was made out of metal like a real Roman soldier, I'd be okay with it. If it was shiny armor, I'd be okay. But it's leather, man. I'm like, oh God, how do I get out of this? I can't, right? Despite not liking the idea and looking for an immediate way out, Ron Simmons actually, as we see, finds himself going, I don't like it, but I'll have to go along with it. He says, when you're thrown in with challenges like this, this is what makes you better. So I took that character and I said to myself, I'm going to make the most out of it. I'm going to make this work. Farouk morphed on over morphed on over into another avenue. He went into the nation and I'm extremely proud of myself for being a man, taking the character on, not bitching and griping about it. Yeah. And he did. And as you, as you say, as we've kind of alluded to, it becomes a major part of a major faction during a major time of a major company's run. Apart from like the, the farty bits of the gang wars stuff, Farouk, you forget how big of a deal Farouk as the head of the nation was. Yeah. Because the Gang Wars bit time takes it off a cliff again. But then when he starts fighting with his second in command and all that stuff, Farouk, it was a good run. It was a good run for him. But he, I don't think he'd taste title success until Acolytes, would he? No, the only, yeah, he would only win the tag titles. I, I don't know whether he even had a hardcore title win. No. Even not, not even like a 24 7 hardcore win. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, titles elude him. Yeah. But as history says, sometimes some of the greats never hold belts, and that's just the way things go. Jake, Jake Roberts, Roberts is a great example of a guy who never held a belt, and Farouk never did. Yeah. Um, but his place in history is very much assured, and it begins mm. with this this time with the blue leather helmets yeah. and, uh, and adventures to be held. 
Uh, moving on with Raw, Vader takes on Mark Marrow here. Yes, he we does. Get a, we get a recap of Vader pinning Sean at International Incident. Can he do it again at SummerSlam? Did you Did you hear Vince's line though when uh, Mark Marrow and Sable come out? And he goes, look at Sable, she's classy and sweet. <laughs> While she's in a one-piece PVC bondage suit. <laughs> it's like, classy, yeah. Again, this is Vincent Mann, who we know <laughs> was accused of sexual harassment on many occasions. Yeah. And that's classy and sweet for you, Vince? Of course. Sure yeah. thing. Uh, Jim Cornette is on commentary. He calls Sable a no-good golem. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that Mero opens her cans of Alpro at home. Isn't Alpro a type of milk? I thought I was, yeah, is it, yeah, almond milk? It's almond milk, and oat milk now. Yeah, it might be over here, over there, it might be, I don't know, something else. They do a subtle, smooth oat milk now. I bought it yesterday. It's so subtle, I don't know why I bought a different one. Yeah, you're just like, it's water. (laughs) Water that is. (laughs) I've had to wean myself off. I don't, we don't drink, like, cow's milk at home anymore. No. And uh, I think we only ever get it in when, like, family visit. Because they think, I don't know whether they think like, because no one else in my family really drinks oat, uh, almond or oat milk, nor Alex's family. So whether they think we're sort of weird hippies. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I, on that note, Alex told me a funny story the other night where we tend to not keep like crisps and chocolate in the house because, you know, I'm a fat knacker and I can't risk it. So don't, let's not even tempt fate any further. <laughs> So we had uh, we had uh, uh, Noah, Alex's nephew, stay with us for a couple of Noah. days. Noah, <laughs> now I can't look you in the eye. I'm ne- sorry. No, I'm never, never, never apologize. <laughs> Noah, that there you go. That's a great bit of law that I think has blown the minds of people. Yeah. Tom's Tom's nephew is called Noah. Uh, <laughs> you have a nephew, Triple H. Yes. <laughs> Do you think anyone who, who wants to be with Noah? Okay, I'll get Tom's nephew on the phone. Um, and he had a lovely time with us. He was very polite and very sweet. I think one one day he asked, he was hungry and Alex cut him up some apple. And then we found out like a couple of days later that the, the TripAdvisor review from Noah to his mum was, they're weird. They haven't even got any snacks. <laughs> <laughs> he was genuinely horrified. Oh. Like, like, they didn't have any chocolate or crisps. <laughs> I said, that's good. It means he'll never stay with us again. Yeah. <laughs> Out in the cold of you, all Japan. (laughs) (laughs) It means next time he comes, next time all Japan visits, we'll have to, I don't know, buy a Kit Kat or something. What do kids kids drink? Bourneville. 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 And um, um, raisins. Raisins. (laughs) They like Bourneville and raisins. And they like uh, whiskey sour, don't they? They they love it, yeah. That's cool. We can do that. And uh, um, Complan. And cans of Alpro. Mero knocks Vader down with a somersault kick and nearly gets a near fall off a crucifix. Cornette has a sigh of relief because he thinks Vader's counted it, but he hasn't. He's just fallen backwards. The the somersault kick, though, it it wasn't very high. He kind of like hit Vader in the torso-ish. It just cuts to Jim Cornette and he just goes, what the hell was that? (laughs) And it was genuine as well. He's like, what's he doing? What's this fucking idiot doing? Uh, Vader sorts it out though. Wheelbarrow slam for the ages to yeah. Mero. Beautiful. <laughs> Flattens the bugger. Uh, Mero weathers a lariat and a splash as Cornette promises victory in next week's Raw Invitational Battle Royal. Ooh. It's first we're hearing of this. All star Battle Royal next week on Raw. Winner gets the first title shot after SummerSlam. Oof. Like that. Yeah. Down for that. 
And they mentioned something like it's it's all it's star studded, like The Undertaker's in it and Steve Austin's in it. Mm. All the uh, names is, are just for the shot at Mind Games, is it? They said a title match than Raw after Summer. Oh, the Raw after. Yeah, uh, the Raw after SummerSlam. The first okay. the first one. I think that's what they said anyway. Congratulations, Johnny Wynn. Freddie Joe Floyd. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> Mero gets a comeback with a bad day and a double axe handle at Cornette. Genuinely looks worried for Vader. Mero goes for a sunset flip off the top. Oh, God. But Vader is out of position. So Vader, with all the subtlety of Tom Campbell trying to sneak in from a night in the pub at two in the morning, takes two big steps backwards to place himself into position as if to go... No one noticed. <laughs> but the hard cam was on him the whole time. To be fair to Vader, it looked like he was in an all right position and Mero leapt like a fucking salmon. Yeah. But I think it was, yeah. He, he, yeah. I think, I think because it took Vader about a second to realise. Yes. And then I think you could almost see the cogs turning going, do I just stand here and pretend that I've counted it? Or do I'll just move back and we'll do what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, end of this comes when Vader catches Mero coming off the top with a beauty of a power slam. I Gorgeous. loved this. Yeah. Great finish. And again, like we said, I don't know if we've ever said this on the podcast, but we've said it outside of it. I like it when wrestlers win with moves that aren't their finisher. Yes. It's nice. It just, it, cause it means that like, you know, you're always having to think, aren't you? Yeah. Rather than having to always have to do your finisher. Yeah. Like if he'd, if he'd done that and then gone up and did the Vader bomb, it would have been fine. But I like the fact that the pin came out of nowhere, like a flash pin yeah. off the back of a power slam delivered from the top. Exactly. Um, yeah, decent match. Vader needs momentum, obviously, if he's heading into a title program with Sean. Mark Mero does too, but Vader is more urgent right now. I think on this occasion you can sacrifice Mero because Mero yeah. got a good showing against him. Didn't look weak. Another WCW name in the company at the moment, Mark Mara. Mark Mara was Vader on WWF television, which would have been weird at the start of the year. Gorilla Monsoon backstage. He is still grilling Clarence Mason about his new signing. Was he not caught with illegal firearms? Says Gorilla. Yeah, but was he also not caught with controlled substances? Yeah, but... Did he not spend time behind bars? That was only one day. (laughs) (laughs) Great little bit back and forth as this uh, behemoth stands with his back to the camera. Again, like we were saying, six months earlier when we were fully in the new gen and we were having like, you know, crybaby matches, you wouldn't have a character where they were just like, he's been dealing drugs and Mm. smuggling guns and getting arrested for it. And there is truth to this. Brian Adams uh, was arrested uh, last year at his Kona home for not, receiving anabolic steroids in the mail. Not the, not the singer. No. <laughs> I'm gonna run to you. Wait, you saying Brian? This is Brian Adams, is it? Oh! It's Brian Adams! Oh. It's crush! We said crush last week. Chronic. Chronic. So, how did Brian Adams come back? considering he was legitimately arrested for taking controlled substances and, and, and possessing illegal firearms. Well, Vince likes him. And Undertaker likes him too. Until 2001, <laughs> yeah. 2002. Oh, one, their friendship ends. Yeah. Um, he had the look and a style that Vince loves in a big man, like yeah. in terms of the way that he wrestles and the imposingness that he has. And, and if you look that way, you can get away with a lot. Good hand, Brian Adams. He's a good, he's a... He's, Big mates of Macho Man as well, wasn't he? The issue that they had, and, and JR talked about this on Grilling JR, was that he had the, the look and the presence, but he was a bit thick. Mm. And they said that 
that it was a combination of him not really grasping some basic guidance and also not being that motivated. Yeah. Whether or not he thought that he could just coast through because he's Undertaker's mate or whether he just didn't really have that sort of same passion for it. Well, yeah, because when he turns up, they're just like, you're in demolition. And he's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no real desire to learn more because you're getting a push either way. Yeah. So um, Jim Ross says on Grill and JR, despite their best efforts, they really struggled to find a combo that got him to the next level. Yeah. Like you know, they tried with the baby face thing and the colorful, you know, the colorful attire. They tried turning him heel and aligning him with the champion, but and putting him in a feud with Randy Savage, you know, putting him in a feud with Lex Luger. Yeah. Like you put him in the mix with your top guys uh, and it's just not clicking. I'm sure he got a winner over Luger at one point as well. I think he probably did. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, there was a thing in the build up to, WrestleMania 10. Well, obviously we got the um, the the coin flip to determine who faces Yoko first. Yes, and it meant that Luger won. So Brett faced Owen as a tune-up match. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Luger's tune-up match had Brett won the coin flip was going to be Crush. Yeah, that was what they mentioned on telly. Um, so like he's in the mix all the time, but he's just not clicking. People yeah. aren't biting on him and they're working with him, but it's not really registering. And not to give anything away, this upcoming run, middle, Midland? Uh, to be absolutely polite. Yeah. It is fair to Midland. And then he goes somewhere else and joins the hottest act in wrestling and everyone goes, oh shit, yeah, he was part of that. Yeah. And then it's, it isn't until Chronic that people get behind him again, is it? Really? And then... 2001 happens. Yeah. And they don't. <laughs> the Stridex Slam of the Week is Sid battering Bradshaw and Zebekiah. Good. It was a good spot. It was. Give that another run out. Um, Vince McMahon is in the ring. He is accompanied by Jose Lothario on his right and Jim Cornette on his left and Jim Cornette on his right. Uh, Jose on the left, Jim on his right. Uh, we get a recap of Super Sock, Super Socking Cornette and In Your House International oh, Incident. Did he ever? And this is what you were saying earlier about Sean's going, oh, Cornette, you're trying to sabotage me. Cornette's bumping like a bastard for Lothario. Yeah. Why would he just be a dick on that particular night? Uh, Cornette tells Jose to not pull out his switchblade again. <laughs> Jay White entered the chat. Yeah. Cornette did a background check on Jose Lothario. He was a wrestling legend who Shawn Michaels looked up to and wanted to be trained by. And when Shawn's training was finished, Shawn went off and became a star, left Jose in San Antonio, sat on the porch looking at photos of times gone by. A forgotten man who nobody would care whether he died or not. <laughs> Cornette promised to take Jose's career reprisal when Vader beat Shawn Michaels because when he beat Shawn Michaels, Jose would go back to sitting on a porch uh, with nobody caring whether he lives or freaking dies. <laughs> he called Jose Lothario trash. At this point, Jose grabs him uh, and promises to kick his butt like nobody else. Uh, Cornette begs off and Jose, Jose turns to leave. As he does, Cornette is going to hit him in the back with a racket. Uh, Cornette, uh, as he's coming towards Jose, Jose spins around and just clobbers him again. Yeah. Punches him into the corner and the crowd go wild for this. Massive pop for Super Sock, Super Sock in Cornet. Uh, we see pictures on the picture in picture of Shawn Michaels watching backstage, loving life, watching his, watching his mentor beat up Jim Cornet. But not for long, because all of a sudden, mankind bursts out of nowhere 
and attack Shawn Michaels, oh, laying oh, him out oh, with oh. the mandible claw. While squealing. Oh, my God. Not to um, cross the streams of reality, but we recently did the end of month podcast for March, mm-hmm. which was instantly rendered uh, out of date by the WWE purchase. <laughs> um, but part of it is we're talking about Bray Wyatt, and one of the things we say is that what they need to get Bray Wyatt back on the right track is make him unpredictable again, like Mankind in 96. Yes. Mankind's not feuding with Shawn Michaels at this moment. He's still feuding with Undertaker and Goldust in the mix, etc. And he's just turned up and Mandible clawed Shawn Michaels for no reason. Mm. He's just off the hook. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was. it worked so beautifully. Really liked this bit. Uh, and it's one that they will replay a little later in the night as well. And yeah. I think, you know, with what we know, you know, what comes around the corner, it's actually a nice little place setter. Uh, up next, the British Bulldogs in the ring. There he is. There he is. Oh, you bastards. Uh, <laughs> non-gened Bulldog uh, is taking on Henry Godwin. Uh, before the match, we get a picture-in-picture with Aldo Montoya. Hey. A recap of the win from Superstars. He did it for Jake. Lawler challenges him to another match next week, and Aldo accepts, saying that Jake taught him the DDT. And this is more promo time that Just Incredible ever gets in 2001. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, this is the most, I think, that, Peter, that PJ Polaka will ever get in the WWF, yeah. or WWE for that matter. Uh, Hillbilly Jim offers to put Owen Slammy in the slop, I think. Yeah. And Owen's like, get away, you smelly hillbilly. <laughs> you smelly, smelly man. I'm here to do commentary and offer my, offer my services. Uh, Bulldog pushes through a very early hog advantage. He just chucks Godwin to the outside and sort of walks it off in the best way that Bulldog you does. Fuck you. <laughs> Come at me. He's quite sleepy this week, is Bulldog. Come at me. It's a couple of chin locks, a couple of rest holds and a leg drop. Was it just me? Did he look a bit smaller than usual? didn't think he did. I don't know if he looked, because uh, I was looking at him, I was like, something's not quite right, and I couldn't tell if either he was a bit smaller and potentially off and off cycle, allegedly, not assuming anything, or if his hair was just fluffier. Something about Bulldog just didn't look right. He I want look, it to be that his hair is fluffy. <laughs> it probably was fluffy hair. It, it, he just didn't look arsed. Yeah, he, he seemed to be a little bit disinterested Yeah, in what was happening in the ring with him and his... His new opponent. It's because he'd, he'd been up all night at Coleslaw King. He was like, oh, it's gone <laughs> off. Shit. What's put in Coleslaw? <laughs> Diana, what's put in Coleslaw? <laughs> veg, veg. Well, I let us Right, Tom, get down to Mayonnaise King. Get the stuff that's just about to go off because we need the prime <laughs> stuff for Mayonnaise King. We'll make it bit Coleslaw. Yeah, put cheese in it, whatever you want, yeah. Don't do what I did the other day and put it on a spot on your face. <laughs> Got attacked by ants again. <laughs> it's a common problem for Bulldog. Just <laughs> getting attacked by ants. He's just sitting there in the, in the garden and Diana's brought him out, you know, nice little carton of juice and a jam butter. He's like, oh, jam, my favourite. Takes one bite. He's like, Diana, the ants are back. <laughs> she hands in the jam butter. Oh, cheers. Cheers, love. Uh, and she looks at she she goes back in and she goes oh I forgot to tell Davy about that appointment and she two seconds later she comes back out just covered in ants oh no <laughs> no I didn't think this through Diana save my viscount biscuit I don't want <laughs> getting that Diana go get the lotion <laughs> she's gonna sting everyone's gonna think I've got smaller <laughs> They've sucked all my muscle out, Diane. That's not what they do, Davy. They might do. That's why his hair was fluffy. He was like, oh, you know, 
her, her gel is a bit like jam. It's sticky. The ants might come mid So <laughs> Don't throw me off my I'm, game. I'm going to trick them. I'm going to put hair gel in this sandwich. They're going to think it's jam. Oh, sandwich. Oh, no. Trick me, Sal. I know the ants <laughs> might. Anyway. The ants have turned up anyway. Perhaps it's the breath they want. <laughs> Perhaps it's me they're after. Diane, I'm their new king. <laughs> Ant king. <laughs> The king of the ant hill. <laughs> Fuck you. So, sorry, Tom. Didn't mean it. Just got excited. What'd you say, David? Didn't mean anything by it. Just got excited. Did you say fuck you? Did you say fuck no. you to me, Tom? The ants made me their leader, Tom. You're fucked. Davy, man, you are a fucking twat. Oh, I You're know. fucking Doyle. I know. They're, that's the, rat. the ants have not made you their leader. How many times do I have to fucking tell you? Oh, apparently too many times. <laughs> sorry, Tom. It won't happen again, Tom. <laughs> Diane, tell your stupid fucking bumbleclaw husband to hey. stop to stop coming around my house telling me that the ants have made him king. T- Tom, Tom, Charles Bronson, Death Wish is on telly. <laughs> oh, I love that one. <laughs> oh, I'll press record. Anyway, oh, he's gone. Shit. King of the ants. King of the ants. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm going to do is teach the ants to all stand on their own shoulders and they'll be my tag partner. <laughs> be better than you, Tom. What you say, Amy? Nothing. In the Four Corners tag match, it's it's the Smoking Guns, it's the Bruise Brothers, it's... Body Donners. Body Donners, and it's Davy Boy Smith and a column of ants. <laughs> <laughs> my subjects attack... <laughs> No, don't attack me! <laughs> you turn on your king once again! Oh, the odds of March! <laughs> they told me to beware of Et <laughs> two anti. Et <laughs> two fire ant. Then fall Caesar. Um, so, Ant King Bulldog. Yeah. There's a new one. Um, it's lots of sleepers. Like again, a bit, a bit fluffy, a bit slow. Yeah. Uh, end of this. Oh, uh, we see Godwin counter a suplex as we go into a break. He counters mm. a suplex with another suplex. <laughs> yeah. End comes and Godwin goes for the slop drop, and Owen distracts him by just kicking the slop bucket he over. Goes, yeah, it's such a shit ending. Yeah. Owen kicks it over, and everyone goes, "What are you doing with the slop bucket? You kick it over." That's like, oh shit! Picked up by Bulldog running power slam. <laughs> What would you do to his slot bucket? Apart from the joy of Davy, the most interesting thing of this match actually happened on commentary. Yes. Because, obviously, uh, Vince asks Owen Hart, when is Brett coming back? And later, at the end of it, um, Vince again says, oh, yeah, well, last week, of course, Steve Austin challenged Brett Hart. And Brett and Owen doesn't give any answer, does he? He's, nope. very, he's very cagey. Yeah. Brett Hart's name is being dropped back into the conversation now, more than more than before. He's on his way. I can't. He's coming. Fucking wait. You've missed him, haven't you? I've missed him. You've missed him. But it's him. also knowing what's coming, oh. which is, and I'm a Bret Hart fan, but arguably, I'd say, the best run of his career. Oh, wow. I think you're right, you know. Yeah. I think you're bloody right. His best promos, definitely. Some mm. of his best matches and just what this evolves into. That's amazing. We get a close-up of the slop before we go to the next segment. Uh, for those interested, the slop is grapes, orange segments, carrots, cauliflower, and broccoli. Oh, so that's what you put. Go, Slop King. <laughs> slop King. How weirdly is Bulldog booked? 
every match he has, tag match, whatever, he gets battered and then hits a power slam and wins. That's his gimmick. But he's a big dude. And you'd think Vince would be like, yeah, he's just going to batter people. And I'd like to see him have more like stronger wins. Yeah. I feel like everything is kind of just like a plucked from the jaws of defeat. I mean, I know we, we clown on him, but he's, he's no bum either. British Bulldog can wrestle. Yes. And it's just weird that he's just... Like I said, he was making Henry... I had to check which Godwin it was. He had to make... He made Henry Godwin look good. He was selling for Henry Godwin for most of this match. It's funny how, like, Henry Godwin gets all the singles matches. Yeah. Like, is Phineas just not considered good enough yet? I don't think so, no. Because, like, this must, there must be worse on the roster than Phineas. Yeah. Must be. Yeah. Just thought it was strange. He gets all of them. Uh, WWF-sponsored athlete Mark Henry is shown here. Uh, from the Guinness World Record Attempt uh, Deadlift Challenge. Mark Henry setting the world record deadlift at 903 pounds and becoming the world's strongest man in the process. Beast of a man. A beast of a man. They mix this with a shot of, from back in March where he gorilla presses Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Uh, WWF have some grand plans for Mark Henry. And they won't really follow up on them for another decade. <laughs> no. They will follow up on them long after. Yeah. Uh, like his best years are... are, 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 are Mind you saying that, I think the, the best version of Mark Henry was the latest version, of, the last version of Mark Henry. Yeah. Like in terms of his pacing and his timing and his energy. As he was older, it felt more... It felt right. Yeah. He got bigger in size and like in bulk and... Looked very imposing during the Hall of Pain stuff. I mean, he was prominently featured during the Attitude Era, you know, in several different guises, a good tag team with D'Lo Brown. But in terms of, like, you've got this huge, huge man. Like you said, the Hall of Pain, fantastic. It's brilliant. And that was when he won his first world title. Yeah. And it looked great on him. And at the time, everyone was like, yeah, Mark Henry is world champion. Whereas if you would have said it six months before, it was like, Mark Henry's going to be world champion. You'd be like, fuck right off, yeah. is he? He turned it around fairly quick. Yeah. We had a Coliseum home video exclusive of Mankind comforting Goldust. This is after he got beaten up by The Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, Mankind uh, holding Goldust's wig, sort of stroking it near his face whilst holding Goldust's hand and calling him mommy. And Goldust just lying on a locker, and yeah. it was creepy. Really creepy. Really good. Really good character work from these two. He promised to show The Undertaker that destruction can be beautiful. Their boiler and brawl match is on the horizon for these two. And then he starts headbutting a, like a locker or a power box, doesn't he? Like He's just smacking his head. Into really it. off the cuff here, and it's great. It's it's fantastic. Really cool segment. Come to the main event now. Stone Cold Steve Austin takes on the Undertaker for the second time ever. <laughs> we get mankind, a little shot of mankind before this, rocking back and forth, talking to himself in the boiler room. Oh. Little little seed planted there. Uh, a handshake from Austin to Undertaker is rebuffed in favour of a goozle and an early attack. Taker dominates. Their chemistry is really good from the beginning, I yeah. thought. They, yeah. they flowed well together, these two did. Texas boys, aren't they? Texas boys, isn't it? Yeah. Texas boys and Texas toys. Austin shakes the ropes, counters an old school in the process. So not many people get to counter the old school. Austin does. Yeah. He works overtaker for a while here. He lands a beauty of a diving elbow and gets a near fall off that. I missed that from his offense. The old. Did you hear? Well, before he hit the uh, the breath rope elbow, as we call it, he was um, stamping on Undertaker in the corner. Mm -hmm. And as Jerry Lawler says, he goes, "Have you ever heard of stomping a mud hole and walking it dry?" I didn't hear that. Yeah, he says to Vince, "Like, have you ever heard the old expression, stomping a mud hole and walking it dry?" Oh wow! And I just went. Just in these last two episodes, all. It seems like they've just gone, 
this, 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 and this. That's Steve Austin. Yeah. They, like, they, they're really quickly assembling the, the parts really needed yeah. for a it superstar. Took, it took them a while to get from Ringmaster to Stone Cold, but as soon as they got there, they just gone, and go. Yeah, they clicked it on beautifully. Uh, Taker fights back with an Andre spot on Austin, where he ties him up in the ropes and just starts pummeling him. Yeah. Good little visual there for Austin. Uh, an aggressive Austin will neck snap Taker off the top rope. Uh, put the boots in shortly after that. As he's doing that, we see a picture-in-picture picture of mankind making his way seemingly out of the boiler room towards the ring. Mm. Imposing. And they're all like far away shots as well. Yeah. I like how this isn't shot with like a camera following him closely. Like the camera is also like nervous to be near mankind. Yeah. So they're all like paparazzi style. It's candid, yeah. It's, it's candid is the word. Uh, and like you said, I, I hadn't even twigged onto the fact that it feels nervous it, it's like yeah you don't go in there with him because mm. he'll lash out and he won't be responsible for his actions so. wants to go near him yeah. he's a scary man uh, subtle it's, it, is, it is subtle but it works and it also adds to that weird sort of sadness of mankind yeah as well because that's what's great about this character like he is he's wild and very aggressive but there's a sadness to him so when you see him just like sat rocking in the boiler room and he's all on his own there is a sadness there because the character you know calling gold dust wig mommy and stuff he just wants love yeah he just wants love and he wants to defend what he what he loves um so he's the baby face of my eyes um <laughs> Back from the break, Taker punches his way out of a rest hold, but Austin stops his comeback with a bloody great pile driver. Oh, yeah, lovely this. Up top goes Austin, but Taker sits up and shakes the ropes. Can't tell whether he falls back into the ropes. Yeah. Or whether he does it deliberately, whether it's on accident or not. But either way, it ends up with Austin getting his bowels on the top rope, and we get a choke slam off the top turnbuckle as well, which looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker is about to do a tombstone, but then Mankind marches to the ring. He's made it to the ringside area. Undertaker goes out to meet him, and they brawl up the ramp. The ref counts the Undertaker out for 10 seconds. Should have been a DQ, really. But mm. Well, it's a weird one, because in the canon of the wrestling, more often than not, because Undertaker struck first... It's all right, then, because he's initiated it. He's initiated yeah. it, and they've kind of let it... Slide. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Mm. Taker returns after the count out and gets a tombstone onto, onto Austin for revenge purposes. Uh, Vince interviews The Undertaker and Paul Bearer once Austin is rolled out of the ring. And Taker says, Mankind, it's time the Reaper enters the Serpent's Lair. At SummerSlam, the Boiler Room Brawl, you will finally rest in peace. And it's Undertaker saying this, not Paul Bearer. Yeah. Undertaker snatches the mic away. So he's clearly pissed off. Yeah. In character. Mm -hmm. And Paul Bearer's not getting a say. No. With a little little note. Mm. I think that's noteworthy. Oh, definitely. Thoughts on Raw this week? Well, going back to that match first, fuck me. Yeah. Really good. Like you said, the chemistry between them. And Austin got the win over Undertaker. Yes. The record books say that Austin beat the Undertaker. Yeah. And he's becoming the Stone Cold that will... <laughs> fucking sell so many tickets oh my god he really bloody will um, it's feathering the Austin's cap and again another strong roar um, everything built momentum I don't think it was as focused as last week mm. only, only because last week was bookended by the match for all the marbles and all the pitcher and pitches this one was a bit more like a regular roar yeah like say, it was a bit more spotty um, 
But yeah, like you've got, you know, Sid coming back, being built up strong. More teasers about Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. You've got mm. more character work from Mankind. Bulldog's in there. We all love Bulldog, of course. Um, yeah, strong row. Very strong row. Yourself? Another good one. I, I didn't think it was as good. As, I didn't think it was as strong as last time. No. But I love some of the stuff in here, like the, the use of Mankind. Like they're, they're really ramping up like the creepiness of mankind here, uh-huh. which I really like. Um, great use of Steve Austin on the show as well. Like he looks strong against the Undertaker. Yeah, they're realizing here's the guy. They've yeah. got something here, and they need to give it time and let it grow. Vader looked good, um, and they didn't bury Mark Marrow too badly in the process. No, which I think was good to see as well. And Bulldog was there as well, and we love Bulldog. This is a little bit. So I can't wait to see the rest of the episodes from this taping so far they've been great they've been really good really strong with SummerSlam on the horizon as well we're on to a flipping winner here oh. Oh. we hope you are as well as we uh, as we approach SummerSlam in 1996 hope all is good with you we're back next week to do it all again and all that time he is at Brad Atkins on Twitter I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter to go huh? we're at Coldholic on Twitter don't forget to join us in ants we're in Blood Deborah. 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 Oh, I'm not married to Deborah. Oh no, Diane's gonna be livid. All these ants. No, no, no. It's all right. They just all lives. <laughs> I don't know what an ant looks like. Uh, no, <laughs> they six foot tall, covered in fur. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 